Hello, and welcome to another episode of Whole and Complete Podcast, the podcast about faith and wellness, loving God and living well. I am your host, Dr. Shantae, and we are inching ever closer to the end of this season. So this is, I think, the 29th episode of the season, and I think when we end, we'll be at a nice round 30. Let me tell you all what that means. That means at least 30 weeks of footloose, fancy free content. <laughs> that's what that means. 30 weeks. That's, that's how many months is that? Let's see. That's like about seven months, a little over seven months. And I know that we missed a couple of weeks either due to illness or family emergencies or what have you. So we have been cranking a pretty good while here. And so we are going to land this plane after next week's episode. And I told you in our last episode that I was really excited about this guest. And now I'm going to tell you why I'm excited about the guest and why I'm excited about the episode. So I don't know if you all know this about me, but I am a massive Olympics enthusiast for the Summer Olympics. I love the summer games. I love them. I love the swimming and the diving and the track and field and the gymnastics. Like I love it. Even the volleyball. <laughs> like I love the summer games. And it has always been like my dream and my hope to one day make it to the Olympics, not as an athlete. Ooh, that's not my ministry. But <laughs> as a spectator to just be able to go and enjoy that environment and, and cheer for the athletes that are competing on behalf of our country. And so on our finale episode, I interviewed Michelle Carter. Michelle Carter is a an Olympic gold medalist in shot put. And I came to know her through her journey to gold. Like I watched the Olympic trials. So right now while they're doing like the Olympic trials and track and field and swimming and diving, I'm watching all of those because I want to know who the people are so that when the games start, I know who I'm rooting for. So I am dialed in from like the very beginning. And so she was one of the people that I was dialed into from the very beginning and watching her go for gold and achieve that as a black woman, I was just like in awe. Well, fast forward, she came to become a listener of this podcast. That's how she and I connected because she tagged me in a post one day about this exact podcast. And I was like, <gasps> shut the front door. She knows who I am. Like I totally fangirled out and she and I like play cousins in my mind. And what's funny is she feels the same way about me. Like, you know, we have such tremendous respect for one another. And so in the run up to the summer games, and as we land this plane of a season, we are going to end with none other than Olympic gold medalist, Michelle Carter. And we had quite a bit to say about how we have weathered this pandemic and mindsets and trusting God and all of it. I mean, it's just, it's a good, it's a good conversation. So very much looking forward to sharing that with you all next week. Now, as for this particular episode, so, oh, and thank you for those of you who expressed concern about my, my medical well-being. So I am still contending with the oral surgery stuff. So I still have stitches in my mouth. Y'all, this is commitment. I'm sitting up here with, with stitched gums. Um, I don't think I get them out until like week three. So hopefully next week those will be coming out. But 
In the meantime, in between time, I want to focus our attention on two things specifically I want to talk about in this episode as we wrap it up and wind it down for the season. And the first of them is, quote unquote, this phrase, going back to normal. So as we are wont to do in this podcast, let's go to our guiding scripture for this episode, which is Ecclesiastes the third chapter, and it says, for everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. And so as we are contemplating as a nation and the world is quote unquote, opening back up, this phrase going back to normal has come up quite a bit. And I understand people's enthusiasm to want to get out of the house I understand people's enthusiasm for wanting to reconnect with family members. I understand people's enthusiasm for wanting to travel and go on vacation because that was definitely a hard pill for me to swallow during this pandemic. But I want to complicate the notion of normalcy and what going back to normal means because backwards i'm i'm very much about semantics and linguistics words matter and so going back to so let me take you back to where i was <laughs> at the start of this pandemic a year ago a year and some change ago i was more than 50 pounds heavier than i am right now and i was in therapy yes but had found a comfort level in self-medicating with food and with alcohol and and binge watching programs on television and and scrolling through social media just a very sedentary lifestyle and I had all kinds of justifications for those things. I work hard. I'm a single mom. I deserve this. I'm tired. Who's helping me? And all the things, you know, all the things that we tell ourselves, all the reasons that we feel sorry for ourselves, all the reasons why we make poor choices. And lo and behold, I found myself upwards of 230 plus pounds, like more like 240 pounds. And When I think about that, and let me just be very clear about something. I am not a fat shamer. You know, I am not one of these look at me now type people. And all of a sudden, I'm pointing fingers and casting dispersions on people who were my size or people who are my size. Because quite frankly, I think that beauty can be found at any size. I truly do believe that. What the issue was for me, though, was what were the reasons that I had arrived there? So it's one thing if you are a foodie and this is just part of who you are and it's a means of of engagement with friends and family and you like various cuisines and exercise is just not a part of your regimen and hey I'm I'm not shaming that but for me when it was medication when it was a way of not resolving problems or not dealing with feelings or not confronting uncomfortable emotions or not having conversations that needed to be had. And instead, I would just turn to them in order to numb the pain or numb the experiences. That is when it became problematic. So I'm not fat shaming. I am not throwing shade at anybody of any size. But for me, 
I had to look at what were the the factors that led me to that place. And it's not that I thought I was ugly or less than. I mean, you can scroll back through social media and I'm still taking, you know, editorial style photos at larger size. Like it, So it wasn't about that. But as I started to do the inner work, as I started to really work on myself and really work on resolving some traumatic issues from the past, all the things, okay, as I started to to resolve all of that stuff, I started to feel better. (laughs) I, I started to find different ways and different means of coping. And I had become so inwardly positive and inwardly focused on wellness that one day I looked up and realized that the outside just did not match that. And so when the pandemic hit, I started to look at all of the factors that had contributed to me being that size and feeling the pressure to show up at every function. Oh, so-and-so's having a graduation party. Oh, so-and-so's having a baby shower. Oh, my birthday is next weekend and I want you all to be there. And all those ways that we feel pressured to show up pre-pandemic, I know people like their, their weekends were just booked solid. Like a Saturday was like, well, I got brunch with so-and-so. And and then after that, so-and-so's having a, a toast, an engagement party. And then after that is so-and-so's birthday party. And like just their whole weekend would just be sucked up with pit stops and photo ops and, and all of those things. And everyone has food here and food there and everywhere, food, food, like, and I get that. And then for those who didn't have like heavy social calendars, it was like, oh, I got the such and such conference and oh, I'm volunteering at such and such program. Oh, and I got the 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 pastors this and I got the sister Sally's that and and we got to do the work on this committee and we got to do the work on that committee. And I'm just so grateful (laughs) that the pandemic just brought all of that to a screeching halt. Because it forced so many of us to start looking at our social calendars. And I cannot tell you how many people were relieved that they did not have to go to these social functions, relieved that there was no church service to be showing up at on Sunday mornings where they didn't have to leave their couch, relieved that they were not tethered with the hustle and bustle and the busy and this and that and the third. And now people are feeling anxiety. Because they felt like COVID provided a built-in, fail-safe, non-emotional excuse, built-in reason why they could not show up. But now that there is vaccination and now that mask mandates have lifted, people are starting to plan things again. And now people are expecting people to show up at things again. And now people are feeling that same pressure And what I'm telling you for me is I ain't doing it. I'm not doing it. I, and I'm okay with that. I will not tell you I'm 100% at peace with that because one thing that I am all the way out of the business of is managing other people's emotions. How you feel about it? How you feel about me? Not being at your function is none of my business. That has nothing to do with me. 
it, it reminds me of that movie what's love got to do with it when ike shows up at the very end with his with his pistol in his in his pants and he says so what you gonna do now and huh what you gonna do he said ike i don't know what you gonna do but what I'm about to do is I'm about to get out on that stage. She said, I don't know what you're going to do. You're going to whoop me, pistol whip me. I'm about to get out here because these folks came to see me. And she gave him the hmm and walked on on that stage and, and went about her business. And that's kind of how I feel. And it's not about not wanting to support people. And it's not about not celebrating other people's accomplishments and being proud of them and, and all of that. At the same time, we need to start reevaluating the value that we place on physical presence and because that is high touch you know it's just like back when I was coaching people in in business and actually I still do some of that but high touch programs when people want access to you that comes at a higher cost it's one thing to buy somebody's t-shirt it's something else to buy somebody's class but when you want somebody to show up at your event that is going to come at a much higher ticket price because that is high touch. You want access to that person. And people don't realize the physical, emotional, mental capital that is required for people to be consistently showing up for these functions. And so we need to reevaluate the pressure and the emphasis and the onus that we put on people to physically show up at the things that matter to us. And it's not to say that, that people will never show up, you know, but every little thing, every little function or keeping score, well, you went to Keisha's, how come you ain't come to mind? Because Keisha called me first and I had one slot open and Keisha got it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, but that sort of thing, I think that it's really unhealthy. And I think it's something that we need to reevaluate and kind of get out of the business of, because if, people want to be home and people want to rest and people want to experience peace instead of the toxic stress that comes along with just being busy, 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 busy. That is okay. That is okay. That is where I have landed. And so this notion of going quote unquote back to normal, going back to the behaviors and the, the lifestyle that led me to be significantly overweight and I still got some weight to lose I mean at this point I've lost about the equivalent of a second grader but I need to lose like more like a third grader okay off this frame so I still have some work to do and I'm, I'm proud of the work I've done but I know that I cannot continue in this work and lead that lifestyle it's just not going to happen and I want to caution you um, not to weaponize shame and guilt against people for choosing not to show up and saying that, you know what, this pandemic has changed me. I, I am not coming out of it the same way that I went into it. There are people, I was reading an article the other day, there are even people who are quitting their jobs because now their jobs are like, okay, we're opening back up and, and the vaccine is out and we want you to come back to work physically in the office and people are like no I quit if I got to come back I quit I'm not doing it and a lot of companies are taken aback like what and they're like yeah we have already demonstrated that we can be just as productive at home as we can in that office and 
no, if this is, if I have to go back and do that dance and, and play the game and, and be, do all the code switching and, and, and playing the happy Sambo just to, you know, get a check and, and, and perform acceptable levels of blackness or brownness in order to, to make my money. No, I'm just not doing it. <laughs> and people have, have opted out. So if people are willing to quit their jobs, I mean, yeah, everybody ain't come, going to every birthday party. And that is okay. Even though I know that there is some burnout with respect to all of the zooming and the screens and things like that. And sometimes it is nice to just get together and just have some, some FaceTime but that can't be all the time. There are other tools at our disposal. And I think that we need to start thinking about more hybrid ways of relating to one another that don't create pressure and guilt and shame for people for not physically showing up in a place and a space. So let me get off my high horse about that. The second thing I wanted to share with you are my summer plans. So One thing that I appreciated about the pandemic is that it really allowed me to do a lot of self-work and inner work. And so I shared with you that last summer, I had spent a good part of my summer healing my relationship with money. And that was some deep work, y'all. And let me tell you why it was deep work, because I have been math phobic. And that is something that has been with me since I was 14. Like I remember the day that me and math parted ways. It was freshman year, algebra. We were plotting X, Y coordinates on a graph. And I'm telling you, the teacher might as well have been speaking Mandarin. I was like, what? Like positive slope, negative slope, rise, overrun. I was like, what? Like it just, it was so abstract to me that I just, I could not mentally grasp it. For me, when it comes to like numbers, I need a concrete application. So the only math classes that I did halfway decent in throughout my entire academic career was geometry because geometry is spatial and I see the concrete applications everywhere in my life and statistics. It had a concrete application, like it made total perfect sense to me. Everything else was trash. (laughs) And so hence the reason I'm an English professor. And so for that reason, I have stayed away from numbers and I just had all this, this internal negative dialogue around numbers and money and the messages that you get from parents about money and and the things and the problems that you see money causing in relationships and just, Ooh, it, it is some deep work. It is some deep work. In fact, what I will do in the show notes and description is is make a list of the books that I read. I thought I shared this last year, but in case I didn't or you missed it or you are like, Dr. Shante, I don't want to be digging that deep. I will just list them in the show notes description and then you can go in and do that work for yourself. But I say all that to say that healing my relationship with money was absolutely necessary before I restarted coaching for the year and relaunching business aspects and my new website and all of those things. So this year, I'm taking the next step. I wish I had read this book 10 years ago, but sometimes information comes to us when we're ready to receive it because I'm not even certain that 10 years ago, I would have been able to act on the information the way that I am now. But when you 
running these entrepreneurial circles and what have you, and people are like, what's one book that like every entrepreneur should read? Or what's one book that every person should read? This book kept coming up over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I kept putting it on the list, but kept putting it off because I had so many other things that I was reading. And it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I finally, because I've been doing a lot of steps and walking, and so I do runs in the morning, but I do walks in the evening. And so I finally had some time. And, and one of my favorite things to do is to listen to an audiobook during a walk. So I finally listened to Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Man, needle scratch on the record. That is a sobering read. If you have not read that, and you know what? It's dated too. So I want to say maybe he wrote this book back in the 90s. Uh, Kiyosaki wrote this book in the 90s. And it's been kind of updated a couple of times. and so, But in terms of just the basic principle of and premise of the book, it it is rock solid. And after finishing that book, I felt like I had been hit with like radiation, like so much so that I'm making my teenager listen to the book this summer. I'm like, oh, honey, I'm, let me get you together right today. I'm getting you together right now because... I'll I'll say this, you know, I encourage you to read it for yourself, but the the primary undercurrent of the book is that getting you out of the mindset of working for money and allowing money to work for you because the rich don't work for money. They let money work for them. And the way they do that is they build up a column of assets and those assets are income generating assets instead of liabilities, liabilities like your mortgage and your house or your car and clothes and shoes and things like that. And I know some of you are like, uh-uh, wait a minute. A house is an asset. <sighs> you know, next next season, I'm going to do a financial series and we'll talk about whose asset that really is. Because when you look at what you're paying on that mortgage and who's really getting paid, it's an asset. I ain't going to say it's yours, but the bank is is making tall money <laughs> on on that house. And so I finally have kind of like, really cemented this idea in my head that I need to get over and overcome my fear of numbers and math and things like that and really dial in and focus on building my asset column, which means I'm going to have to dun, 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 start investing. And so I have already invested, quote unquote, in some classes that are basically going to teach me how to do that, how to invest in real estate, how to invest in the stock market and all of those things, and then figure out a strategy that works for me. And I'm sharing this with you because not that I expect you to do what I'm doing, but I'm sharing this with you because summertime tends to be at a slower pace than the rest of the year. And while things are at a slower pace, this is really an opportunity for you to Choose an area of your life that you want to focus on. So whether that is mental wellness, whether that is physical fitness, whether that is financial health, whatever relationship building, this is an opportunity to really choose a a summer curriculum for yourself and really spend the next eight to 10 weeks expanding your horizons in that area. So going deeper into that thing that you want to do better or to know more about. And I'm not one of these people that's pushing productivity. Like you need to spend this time and do this and do that and produce. However, I do think that 
as our guide in scripture says to everything, there is a season. And because this is a season of slowdown and because COVID was a season of slowdown, I've learned to be more intentional about the things that I want to do and the things that I want to learn. And I'll be honest with you, ever since I read that book, every dollar that I spend now, I feel some kind of way about. I'm like, oh, this money is never coming back to me. And am I really going to eat these apples? You know, it's just like, is this something that I could be putting, you know, in, in the stock market? And all of the things that people say about, you know, the stock market is risky and just overcoming all of the emotional hurdles and mental hurdles that come along with investing is how I'm going to spend my summer. Because I will be honest with you, I am risk averse. When you have lived the life that I have lived and you've experienced some of the things that I have, you like stability, security, structure. Chaos is the antithesis of that. And risk is like, what? Mm -mm, Can't do that. And yet there are, it it has become clearer to me and it'll become clear to you. So I will, will share a list of books that have kind of like opened my eyes about this subject. But when you think about all the things, so for those of you who are working, when you think about all the things that your one check has to do, (laughs) and if you have kids, you know, all the things that your one check has to take care of, and it just, you do the math, you do your own math. And, you know, and if you are one or two paychecks away from poverty, you really start to think about how you want to live and how hard you want to work and whether the work that you're doing is producing what you thought it would produce because that that's the myth of meritocracy. If you, if you buckle down and you work hard and you know, you pull yourself out by, uh, by your bootstraps, you're going to make it. Mm. <laughs> okay. You know, tell that to the people in Tulsa, Oklahoma, black wall street, you know, it didn't work out for them and it's still not working out for, for people of color in this country. It is a real struggle. And I'm not saying that you can't make it. However, building wealth and growing wealth is not something that by and large is something that we have been taught to do. At least me, I'll speak for myself. It's not something I was ever taught in school, but how to go into debt. Oh yeah. Got a real education in that. How to rob Peter to pay Paul. Oh yeah. Got a real education in how to do that and how to pass those toxic financial and fiscal habits on to the next generation. Oh yeah. Well versed in all of that. And so as I am in the process of just trying to disrupt toxic and generational cycles in my life and in my family in general, so that my daughter doesn't have to inherit some of the same old, same old, that is what I am choosing to work on this summer. And I hope that you all find something that you are excited about working on this summer as well. So use the time and use it wisely. So that is it. That is the end of this episode I cannot wait until next week with Michelle Carter and to have that conversation with her and the Olympics and all the things. And so if you guys have any questions, comments, takeaways, hit me up at Dr. Shante says, don't forget, you can go to drshante.com forward slash shop and shop the well threads collection. And so these are the, this is the paraphernalia and the merchandise that prior to prioritize your mental health and 
Make sure that if you have not left a review for this podcast as of yet, that you take the time to do that because doing so helps the algorithm spread to more people who can find and benefit from this type of content. I will see you guys next time.